0: Hello everyone, Lauren here with a new podcast episode. So today we're going to be talking about character development and I'll be giving some advice and tips and tricks on how to develop your characters. And when I say characters, I mean main characters, secondary characters, antagonists, and protagonists. You should be thinking about all these different types of characters instead of just focusing on the main hero or heroine in your story. So sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. So what all goes into building a fantastic character or many characters within your story? There's a couple of things that you would want to take into consideration when developing your characters. That would be like their physical traits, their attributes, their strengths, their weaknesses, their flaws, their fears, motivations behind what they do, um, pretty much all of that goes into building these types of characters within novels. And this doesn't go just specifically for fantasy novels or any kind of specific genre. This is with the, this is uh, with any novel that you're trying to create because these characters live in the world that you built. And so they'll be going by the rules of that world. So if they use magic, if they don't use magic. If they're a witch, a werewolf, a vampire, a human, Uh, Whatever it is that the world um, you created, whatever those rules are, you'll be creating characters within them that will be abiding said rules. So let's talk about um, the first big one, physical traits of your character. So... We want to avoid, of course, the classic information dump where you just tell the reader what your character looks like, um, what they do for their career, you know, what they eat, what they wear, all that kind of mundane kind of stuff. That stuff can get very boring very quickly and it turns readers off because you're just telling us about this character you're not actually showing. And I hate saying telling and showing And not showing because um, there are some incidents where you can't get around like having to tell certain things about, you know, your character or or about the world that they're in. But there are some tricks that you can do um, that is actually showing but being kind of subtle about it, I guess. So with physical traits, um, let's see. Here's an example. So let's say you have a character that is short all right they're really short well you don't want to just say that they're short you want to describe maybe an action that they're doing like let's say your is playing basketball and you're like i'm never going to be good at this because i can't reach the hoop or i'm never going to be good at this because um everybody around me is is too tall <laughs> so um you can do that whether it be through dialogue or you can also do that through um, the actions of whatever the character is doing, whether it's first person or a third person narrative or whatever narrative you choose to, to go with. Um, so instead of just being like the character was really short, you can be like um, the character was the weakest uh, player on the basketball team, you know, uh, as compared to the other um, you know, the other taller players. So you're not like specifically saying that your character is short, but you are saying that your character is definitely shorter than everybody on the team (laughs) and they're weaker at basketball because of that said, uh, physical trait. So not only are you showing a weakness on their side, but you're also showing that they're short, right? Um, the thing is, is like, if you are showing, you can also show and tell at the same time, you can say that your character was short and then, um, you know, say that they, um, you know, were the weakest link on the basketball team, but you don't really need to be redundant, um, with that kind of stuff. So if you've already said that your character was brilliantly, um, beautiful, you know, and then you go on to describe like, um, you know, how, how everybody turned to stare at her as she graced them, um, as so they graced them as she entered the ballroom. Okay, we get it. Your character is beautiful. So of course everybody's staring at her because she's so beautiful and angelic like, right? So you don't really have to say again, like a uh, reiterate, you know, how beautiful she is. You don't really have to say that again because it's being redundant with what you're talking about. You can just say that, you know, um, when, uh, she stepped into the ballroom, she was a presence to behold. All eyes turned to her or whatever it is you want to say about her. So um, whenever uh, a trick that you can use to make sure that you're showing versus telling is whenever you describe a character and you say something about them, like um, they had amber hair or whatever. Let's just say that the example is they had amber hair. Ask yourself questions. Is there a way that I can make this um, sound better by giving an example of you know, maybe um, describing an action of what she's doing with her hair, like maybe saying, "Oh, she brushed a lock of amber hair behind her um, behind her ear as she spoke to him." Um, as she spoke to him, and you know that might also show that she's shy, or it might show that she's being seductive. Depends on what the next sentence is, right? So I'm already keeping on the edge with these examples here. <laughs> um, you also, um, when describing physical traits, use your senses. All five of them, seeing, hearing, taste, smell, um, whatever it is, describe how their kisses taste or how their breath smells on the back, you know, um, how, yeah, how their breath smells or how their clothes smell or, um, you know, uh, like their mannerisms or, you know, like, uh, I think, uh, in my book, every waking dream, a lot of the times, um the main character Ace Luna, is seen like bouncing her knee or wringing her hands or clenching her or um uh like doing like little quirky things like bouncing, ticking, sweating, um, those kind of things to describe her anxiety because she's a very anxious character, and that has to do a lot with you know what's going on in her life. So like little ticks like that, quirks, um, you can describe clothing and stuff like that. You can describe how they carry themselves in society, clothing and and posture and body language are really good ways to describe people's, um, cultural heritage and their social status within the book. Um, like, you know, uh, crisp business suits or, um, dowdy, uh, dresses, hand-me-downs, things like that. I mean, if I said that a character is wearing a hand-me-down dress, you would assume that maybe her family is not very well off. Maybe she's poor. Or if they're wearing a crisp business suit, you would assume that they have a very strong domineering demeanor. Um, I mean, come on, look at romance novels. They're always in business suits, right? So <laughs> those kind of things. Um, you know, describe those sort of senses. You can even describe their temperaments. Um, you can, and the temperament is something that you can show through uh, dialogue of your character. Dialogue is really important within books. I would say that dialogue and your, um, background information or whatever your world building stuff in the background should be pretty much equal throughout the book your dialogue really helps drive the plot forward and not only that but we get to see a lot of insight into your character how they act with people around them so we get to see um like do they tell jokes a lot are they humorous do they laugh do they chuckle do they sigh are they annoyed easily? Do they snap at people? Um, that can show all kinds of different things, different temperaments. If that character is doing a lot of that, then we can, you know, we might understand the that person is frustrated at somebody or at something that's going on in their life, like an internal or external struggle. We might uh, see that the character likes to downplay some of the drama by trying to be sarcastic and humorous about it and joking. Um, Raven is kind of one of those, uh, characters in every waking dream. She's the, she's the one who's always being humorous and she does it to cover up how sad she is inside. Um, so stuff like that. Um, you can tell if they're intelligent, you can tell if they're very observant of people around them. Aislinn is one of those people in the, in the novel where she's very observant. She's always asking questions. She's skeptical. She's suspicious. Um, that kind of stuff. And you can use some of those in ta- those taglines after they're talking to kind of describe uh, the emotions that they're going through, um, and and how they say things too. You can use um, jargon. You can use slang. Uh, you can mispronounce words to show that they have like some sort of like weird accent or whatever. Um, So there's a lot of things you can do playing around with dialogue and characters. And then, you know, um, what makes them special as a character? What makes that character particularly different from any other character in your novel? Whether it's a main character or a secondary character. I mean, uh, they can all have different um, special uh, features. I like to use um, the techniques for comparisons. Like, uh, you know... If somebody is particularly clumsy, and I'm going to use this kind of like a a Twilight reference because we all know that Bella was supposedly clumsy, right? We could describe, like, how clumsy she is. Like, not only, like, emphasize her clumsiness, but we could also say that, you know, something that would have been easy for another character to do was difficult for her. So it, you know, just walking. She tripped on air, (laughs) right? So that would be kind of like a comparison that you can make to try and make that character specifically stand out. Um, Let's see. Um, You can show their different values, their culture, motivations. You can do it through clothes, food, dancing. Um, Their different interactions with different people. Um, Their different ways of speech. Or um, customs in their area, especially if, like, you're writing a fantasy novel where they come from different kingdoms or different worlds. Even um, you can do that, um, and that's and that you know that can be showing and telling at the same uh, or showing and telling. Um, like I said, you can't show everything all the time. Sometimes you do have to give a little information by telling the reader what's going on. Um. What are their good and bad characteristics? And I'm talking about like all characters, not just like protagonists being good and antagonists being bad. <laughs> we want to know everything about these characters. We want to build them up. You don't want to have a one-dimensional at- antagonist if you shouldn't spend a lot of time on them and then have a protagonist who's three-dimensional. Like you want to have both you you want to you want them both to be three-dimensional because if they're not then your readers aren't going to care about those secondary characters they're not going to care about the antagonist they're only going to invest their time into the protagonist so and that can be pretty um pretty bad if you have a book that splits you know point of views or anything between a protagonist and other characters in the book cuz then they're kind of skipping ahead, trying to get to the protagonist, the person they actually care about. (laughs) And I'm guilty of this. So I'm talking from experience um, that that does actually happen sometimes. So you want to show the good and bad characteristics of all the characters in your book that are particularly important. If, if you have a character that you have named in your book, then that character is usually considered to be an important character Um, they might have more minor roles, but like I said, um, I kind of judge it by like, if you are willing to give a character a name, they're probably important to the plot somehow, like somehow, you know, um, just because I would expect to see that character's name pop up again in the future at some point. Describe their flaws. Nobody wants to have a character that doesn't have any sort of flaws, especially if they're humans. You don't want to have perfect humans, and I mean, vampires and werewolves, they're freaking monsters, so you, they should have some sort of flaw as well. We don't want everybody to be godlike and have godlike powers, and basically nothing can hurt them. I mean, even Superman had kryptonite. Okay, I mean, if you read the comics, like a lot of those superheroes have died multiple times and <laughs> come back in some way or shape or form or another, but they all have some sort of flaw. Um, they can all be killed somehow. I know that Captain Marvel in the MCU universe kind of seems kind of invincible right now, <laughs> given uh, the movies and stuff, but trust me, in the comics, uh, no, she's not invincible at all. So um, your readers also need to know that your character is not invincible because that just makes for a boring character. If they're perfect in every single way, shape or form, not only can, can the reader not relate to the character, um, because you know, humans have flaws. We want to be able to relate to characters that are kind of like us, whether they're, you know, whether your character might be a little chubby or, um, you know, have a stutter or maybe a disability or something. Um, everybody wants to be able to relate to them because it makes, cause that's, that's the whole point of reading certain books. Like, yeah, we want to go off into a fantasy world with, um, you know, with Katniss or, you know, with Bella Swan, but we want to be able to put ourselves in their shoes because we don't, if, you know, if they're perfect, then, we're just all, we'll just remind it that, yeah, this is a fantasy. We want to basically get lost in the fantasy. We don't want to be reminded that we're just plain pretend. We want to be lost in it. So, so definitely give them some sort of flaw. Um, whether it's mine, it doesn't have to be huge, you know, it can be minor flaws like the clumsiness with Bella or, um, you know, not being being indecisive like Katniss, <laughs> anything like that. I mean, they're only human, right? So um, even with vampires and werewolves, like they still have emotions. They still have some sort of emotions going on. Obviously, if vampires and werewolves are falling in love with humans and all that stuff, um, there's obviously some kind of emotion there and some kind of struggle. And, you know, you want to show the readers what that internal and external struggle, struggle is. External struggles um, are things that are outside of the character that are a little harder to control. Um, Things that happen along the plot that they have to face outside of themselves, like other people. Or um, maybe they're on a journey and they have to go through, you know, um, very treacherous landscapes or something. And then you have your internal struggles, which are basically inside the character. Are they struggling with a decision? Like... Do they have to marry a, a person, like marry a duke or something? Otherwise, their family is going to be poor. Like, are they struggling internally with that? Show us what they're thinking. Um, so I, I would say you could do this for both for pretty much all different types of narratives. It just depends on how you want to write the book. Um, I particularly stick to first person and third person narratives because are the easiest ways for me to write. I would say that most of my books are first person just because I like writing from one person's point of view. <laughs> it's a little easier for for that person to, to watch other people around them. And then third person um, is also pretty good because I can uh, jump around and show different things from different perspectives instead of having to stay in that one person all the time. So it just depends on how you want to write. Um, I wouldn't say that one is particularly better than the other to um, develop characters. You should be able to develop characters from all these kind of different points of views. Um, but you would just want to pick the, the, the way you want to write, basically. Um, what's easiest for you to do? Um, what's the easiest way for you to show um, these character traits and flaws and attributes and everything um, without... Um, compromising your writing style per se. And then with all these struggles that characters end up with, you also want to show their growth. Like no one wants to read about a character who's literally the same character throughout the entire book, who doesn't learn their lessons and um, keeps making the same mistakes. Okay. We want to see, um, we want to see growth here. We want to see that girl who's been with the same boy for like seven books finally break up with him. Okay. And get out of that toxic relationship. We don't want to see them keep crawling back to the same people over and over and over again. Um, That gets really boring. I know that some of these romance novels that I've read. um, I've actually had to put down. Because literally it's like the author doesn't want to get rid of the boyfriend (laughs) in the book. Like they're so attached to this boyfriend who keeps making the same mistakes. Who keeps um, being a toxic abuser. and They never grow. Well, obviously, I'm not going to want the character to be with them. And the thing is, is like you can make those kind of uh, people change in your book. (laughs) Good luck with real life. But um, in your books, you can absolutely have those characters have um, character growth. So you can do that. I'm talking growth for both the antagonist and the protagonist. I've seen amazing books where the antagonist of the book has been the good guy all along. I mean, I mean, I think the first example off the top of my head comes from J.K. Rowling's um, Harry Potter series, Snape. Everybody thought Professor Snape was this evil dude. And all along, he was, uh, you know, basically a double agent for Dumbledore the entire time. Now, I'm not saying Professor Snape, I'm not saying Snape's like a perfect character because he's not. I mean, we know that dude had some issues, especially like coveting uh, Harry's mom for all those years, which kind of, weird and creepy but um you know he did there was growth there eventually he did um you know come through for Harry he did so that's that's kind of like the first the first example that kind of popped into my head and I'm trying to use examples that are from like very well-known novels because I don't want to use an example from a book that nobody really knows much about because they'll be like what are you talking about huh so that's pretty much um (laughs) Why, why I use these certain types of examples all the time, if you're ever wondering. And then, um, like the growth, um, another example. Now, now this is an example is probably not as well known, but um, this is actually from a TV show, Cobra Kai. I don't know if anybody's seen that show, but I absolutely love it. I, yes, I've watched all of the seasons, and I'm eagerly awaiting for the fourth season. But um, I can't even remember the dude's name. <laughs> Actually, I'm drawing a blank on his name. But it's the it's the wimpy kid in there who joined Cobra Kai, couldn't cut it, and then went and joined Miyagi-Do. And, like, everybody thought he was a lost cause. And then finally, one day, it just finally, like, clicked with him on how to do karate. But he was such a whiner. But he finally grew up. And if you've seen Cobra Kai, then you probably know what character I'm talking about. But I cannot for the life of me remember his name. I think it's, like, maybe. No. It's not it's not dimitri is it Uh, i can't remember but anyways he had major character growth and he was just a secondary character and i mean he was a secondary character for i would say i would say like the first two seasons he didn't actually grow into like the last like episode or two episodes of cobra kai um for season two and then season three it slowed down a little bit but he was still getting better right So I I would say that, you know, that was some pretty good character growth, you know, for a secondary character who's definitely like I'm not as invested in, but, but I was like, that's pretty cool. And, um, you want to make sure that your secondary characters or your minor characters are not just stand-ins for your protagonist. Okay. Um, that's one, that's one thing that, well, one beef. That I have with Twilight. Is because a lot of Bella's friends. Were just characters with stand-ins. Like we didn't learn really anything. About Bella's friends. Not really. Um, I mean she went out with Jessica. And that other girl like Angela. Or whatever her name was. Like a few times. But it was very brief. Like it wasn't. It wasn't anything like. Substantial to it. You know. And those characters kind of got lost. Now I knew their names. But none of them were. Major, I guess. And, I mean, that's fine. They don't have to do anything major. They're minor characters. But I would have loved to see maybe, um, you know, a little bit more growth there. Or a little more growth with Bella trying to actually be their friend. Because she just was not a very good friend to any of them. Like, it didn't really portray Bella in a good light, I guess, when it came to friendships and relationships outside of the Cullens. Because it seemed like she only wanted to be friends with the Cullens. Like even though all these people were trying to be her friend. And they were nice to her from day one. So it kind of showed Bella as being a little standoffish. Which I guess, you know, if that's what the author was trying to portray. Then she did a really good job doing that. Because that's what I got out of uh, out of reading those books. So there you go. <laughs> There's some good character development there for Bella. <laughs> And then, um, you know, remember to build um, your bad guys along with your good guys. I want to know what makes them bad. I want to know what makes them, you know, if they're going to have a redemption arc. Everybody wants to know if characters are going to have redemption arcs. We all, I have a soft spot for bad guys in books and movies and everything. Like some, some people are really good at being bad guys. Um, or some characters are really good at being bad. But there's some that I'm just like, ah, like, oh, um, I'm trying to think of an example of one that I really wanted a redemption arc for. Ooh, I can't think off the top of my head. I can't think of one off the top of my head. But um, sometimes I want to see the bad guys win. <laughs> not like in a, not like a, in you know a, a evil an evil overtakes good kind of way, but more of a like a, uh, you know, they do something. Oh, perfect example. Star Wars, Darth Vader. <laughs> there you go. Darth Vader. That was a good redemption arc right there. Um, the original um, trilogy, not anything around there. <laughs> Just the original trilogy. the trilogy. Um, Darth Vader was probably a really good, uh, was actually a really good bad guy. There was a lot going on there. And I actually did like the first three episodes just because we got to see a little bit more of Anakin Skywalker before he came became Darth Vader, even though he was kind of cringy in like the second and third episodes. <laughs> like he's a cute little boy, but when the second and third episodes, like he was just really freaking awkward. But you know, I was talking with my boyfriend about Star Wars because he's a huge Star Wars nerd. And um <laughs> I said something to him the other day. About um, Anakin being a little cringy, and I think it's because, uh, and I was I was starting to think about like how Luke Skywalker, like Luke Skywalker and and Kylo Ren, you know how they're all Skywalkers from Skywalker line. I was like, pretty much every dude in the Skywalker line was kind of like a loner or you know awkward. Because I mean, even Luke was kind of awkward. <laughs> so. They're all a little awkward, so I guess the apple didn't fall far from the tree with those Skywalker dudes, but (laughs) that's just me. I don't know if anyone else feels the same. Um, And then the last thing is, um, like I said, with minor and secondary characters, give attention to them. Don't just make them into stereotypes like the nerdy kid or the fat kid or... Um, you know, the goth emo person that's just like there It says like one line every single time. I see that a lot in like team up movies and in books where they have, you know, like a, a gang of superheroes or like bad guys or whatever, where they always have this, like some of the, some of the, um, gang or the original gang end up being like minor characters instead of being like big characters in it. Um, I know that the more characters you throw into a book, uh, obviously some of them are going to get lost along the way, or at least not pop back up until needed, but you don't want to have them being stereotyped as just like, you know, the fat kid that shows up and makes jokes or it's just there. So the, your protagonists can look, can feel good about themselves. Like you don't want to reduce them just to that role. Like they should have something else going on, some sort of substance. Um, I myself am a pretty chubby person. So I love reading about chubby people who, who are main characters or do stuff that, you know, help build their character within novels. Um, you know, not everybody's skinny out there. <laughs> so um, that's, that's nice. I was watching uh, fate, the wink saga with my boyfriend. Cause I, I remember watching the cartoon show as a kid and I thought it was kind of weird that, um, well, I didn't really like the fact that Tara, the, the one chubby girl in the whole entire school, because everybody else is apparently like super thin and beautiful, is made out to be like annoying or has this personality where she's super annoying. Like, I didn't like that. I was like, why can't you just make her normal? You know, like everybody else. But, um, I'm only in episode two of that series, so I would have to watch the rest and see if she actually grows or, you know, they give her more than, I mean, she's got a really cool power. I think her power is like the most interesting out of all of the fairies there. But, um, you know, I just want to see if they actually make her a little, a little different than what they're trying to portray her as right now. But those are just some of my thoughts Um, and tips about character developments and novels and books and TV shows and all that good stuff. And I hope I gave you some examples that made a little sense. Um, I'm trying to keep my episodes under 30 minutes. So if I seem like I'm going a little fast, it's only because I'm at 28 minutes right now. And (laughs) I want to keep, I want to try and keep them, uh, short, sweet, and to the point. But I will see you guys next week. And I don't know exactly what I want to be doing. But it will probably go along the the line of this series right now. Um, So I will see you then. You guys have a very safe uh, rest of your week. And see you next week. Bye.